Here's a word that people don't like. Institution. Who likes the word institution? It's like that's something if, if you want to get uh, everybody all together, just hate on some institutions. Um, I think the word institution is a, a, the idea that uh, this is a structure we've made for the benefit of some to oppress the many, or some kind of the reeks of like decaying old columns that really aren't meant for anything more than to keep itself propped up and not really for anybody else. But I think there's two ways of thinking institution. One is there's institution, but there's another word, uh, institutionalism. And I think institutionalism is everything that people, all the problems that people have with organized Christianity or organized religion of any sort is often like institutionalism. It's the same kind of problems I have, probably the same kind of problems all of us have. Like it only exists for, exists for itself. It's not really for the good of others. It's definitely not for the glory of God. It's just so this thing will continue to be this thing. Institutionalism is when we do something and someone says, well, why do we do it that way? And someone says, because we've done it that way. And that's how it works. And it just kind of goes forward. That's institutionalism. And that's not a very good thing. But an institution could be something positive. Because, I mean, in many ways, we're working to, for Redeemer to be a Trollton institution. It's like the Beatles are an institution. It's like there's some that's greater than the, the whole of their parts. Like the, um, the idea that we could be a, a force for good beyond kind of what it looks like here and beyond people who might even come in to the church and beyond even that, but actually for the glory of God, for something more than itself to exist. So it'd be great for us to be an institution, but it's really, really, it's just as easy for anybody to lapse into institutionalism. So there's institutionalism, there's institution, there are institutions, and we really, what we want to be an institution, to be rooted in the community, to be known for loving people, loving God, and cultivating the, Trol- the culture of Trollton. But it would be a tragedy if we did all this, if we worked for all this, and we just lapsed into, into institutionalism. Like, who wants to be part of that? No one really wants to work for that. But can we find ourselves there often? Unhealthy uh, leaders and or unhealthy leadership will always lead to institutionalism. But healthy leaders, healthy leadership structures, allow something to, to thrive as an institution, as a positive institution. And as human beings, we need healthy leaders. We need healthy leadership. Like, one is going to be the people. The other is going to be the structure. We thrive under good ones, and we die under bad ones. And whenever God's people are first concerned from themselves, instead of the glory of others and the glory of God, that's a leap into institutionalism. And we're not immune from that. I'm not here for that. I don't think any of us are. There are two important things, I think, um, in, for us in the story in Acts. We're going to talk about healthy leaders and healthy leadership. Uh, so let's first talk about the, the healthy leader aspect. Now, if you've ever had a good job or a, a good boss for your job, which might be rare, if you've ever had a good minister or pastor in your life, which might be even more rare, um, you know like the power of a, good, of a good leader, the power of a healthy leader. It, it, it empowers you. It allows you to be uniquely who God's created you to be. It doesn't make you fit in some kind of box. He doesn't make you do things you kind of don't want to, but he empowers you to do the things that you're made to do and won't let you stay the same as we are often want to do by ourselves. They stretch us. Uh, and let me just say, uh, you might be like, I'm never a leader, so I'm going to learn about leaders. I'm never going to be a leader. I'm just going to hang out here and just you know, do, do the thing. Well, the perils of, of a church plant means you just might become a leader. I don't know if Michael or Elspeth or anyone else is kind of like, I never knew I'd be doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden, well, now I have to do this stuff. But even if you never become some kind of like official leader in air quotes, there uh, are a few important things to say first, because I don't want, I don't want you to check out here. There's a few things. One, 
what we're going to talk about are characteristics that everyone should aspire to, regardless of if you're a leader or not. It's something that we, kind of people that we all want to be. Secondly, it's important for everyone to know what a healthy leader, leader looks like because you're part of the church that's making these healthy leaders and saying that these are the leaders that we want. And so what you say matters. When you see leaders lived out well, doing their thing well, we should call it out. When they're not doing it so well, we should call that out too. Like we all have a responsibility in this and to be part of the change. And maybe lastly, you just might be more of a leader than you think you are because we all lead in some way. Leadership is just influence over people. We all have influence over lots of people in good ways, maybe in not so good ways, but in all sorts of different areas of life. We all lead others in some ways. I mean, if your prayer for the church to grow comes true, and I really hope you're praying for that because that's what we're, one of the things we're here for. But if you're praying for, for the church to grow and that comes true and people who aren't believers are coming and they're following Jesus and they want to be part of all the stuff that we're doing, um, who's going to lead them? Like you will. I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm at capacity. So we got other people who need to be doing those things. And if you don't lead these people, then we shouldn't really expect our church to grow. For example... We will need at least, at least, and it would be great probably to have more, at least two more missional communities by the autumn. Like, who's going to lead those things? Like, we need people to lead those things. It's going to take a step to join them. We should not expect our church to grow if we aren't kind of taking those steps that aren't easy. They're not always easy. So anyway, where are we in Acts? So there's just three things to maybe, um, that hopefully um, uh, we can think about as we, as we come to these verses in Acts. Where, so we have a situation here in Acts. There's a problem. There's a lot of people, which is great, but these people are sticking to themselves. There's uh, basically kind of like a racism. People who are from Hebrew backgrounds are being treated from people who are from Greek-speaking backgrounds. Maybe some people are coughing more than others, and we're kind of like stay, keeping away from them. Regardless, it, people are, are not mixing with people who are different than them, and we see that all the time. That happens in our church, and our church is so small, and that still happens. Like, well, how, that's going to be more true for us will be uh, realities of classism that will come through in ways we didn't expect, realities of ageism that will come through in, in ways we didn't expect, of basically anything that, any form of samism, that person's like me, therefore I'll talk to that person, stops us from being the kind of people we're supposed to be. We miss out, as do other people. But the problem here in Acts is big because this church is 5,000 people, and there's 12 leaders, that's great, but 12 leaders for 5,000 people especially people who need food, like that's, that's a big deal. That's a big problem. And so now these 12 leaders, these 12 apostles need to appoint um, another kind of level of leadership to help with this issue that's come up. But before we talk about the structure, let's talk about the people here. The church, and by that I mean all of us, we need healthy leaders. The apostles here are looking for leaders. And what are they looking for? This is all in verse three. We're going to look at four things here in verse three. Um, brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, and we turn this responsibility over to them. Let's just look at that verse. The first thing is these people are known. They've been in their houses. There's a lot of people here, 5,000 people, but somehow a lot of these people know who these people are. They know their families well. They have connections in formal settings like worship services. They have their connections in informal settings like eating food around tables. You can't lead people you don't know. Or actually, you can, you just don't, you won't lead them well. You can't lead people well if you don't know them. And likewise, if you have a leader who doesn't know you well, they're not going to be a real influence in your life. So for this question, for all of us, because we're all kind of in some level in here, who are we discipling? And who's discipling us? Discipling is just another way of, of, leader, of saying leadership development or whatever you might say in a corporate setting. 
Who, how are we growing? How are we helping others to grow? I think at Redeemer, we have lots of different points of entry. We have Sundays, we have missional communities, we have core groups, we have uh, three separate training things going on. Like We're doing more probably than we should for the size church that we are. There's no excuse to, to go it alone here. So they're known. But these people aren't just known. They're known to be full of the Spirit. They're not full of themselves. We talked a lot about what full of the Spirit means in the past. Not being full of themselves, full of, full of Jesus' Spirit. That means they're not prideful. They're not always talking about themselves. They ask people good questions. They're also not shame-filled, so they can ask good, bold questions, because they're not afraid to ask good questions. They aren't passive, they're involved, but in a way that people feel built up, not in a way that people feel like micromanaged. The Spirit never harms us. The Spirit is never impatient. The Spirit uh, is always good, always calls us to Jesus. And those filled with the Spirit don't run roughshod over others. They're also not passive either. They give space to others. They're patient on God's timing, and they're constantly calling people back to Jesus. You know how there are people where after you hang out with them or have a conversation, you just feel like a little bit lifted, like the burden just feels like a little bit less on your back? Those are the kind of people we want leading. That's the kind of people I want to hang out with. That's the kind of people I want leading me. And this is the kind of people who are full of the Spirit. These are people who enjoy God's presence. They just like actually enjoy being with God in prayer, being with God in the Word. That's how we get full of the Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean they're always going to be like calm and serene and like meditatively, like slowly, like, um, yeah, hovering. There are all types of personalities God calls. People who are chill, people who aren't chill, people who are dramatic. We need all sorts of people who are kind of involved. All, all in all, though, it does mean who, whatever their personality is like, they love Jesus more than anything. And when you talk to them, they're always calling people back to Jesus. When they go through hard times and they're squeezed, they rely on Jesus because they're full of the Spirit. Those people are known, they're full of the Spirit, and they're also wise. They're not naive with others. When they hear a story, they also know like that's a story coming from one perspective, and they can think of what the story might be underneath the story. A wise person is someone who, uh, who lives and breathes God's Word. That's where wisdom comes from, being with God through His Word. That's what makes us wise. It doesn't, notice, it's, it's great here, I think. It doesn't require intelligence. It doesn't require someone to be clever. Uh, doesn't require someone to be full of theological knowledge, requires someone to be wise. Luke, um, or Jesus tells us in Luke 21, 21, 15, this is Jesus' words to us. He says, I will give you, as us, words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So it all comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from reading a book. It comes from knowing God. Sometimes, obviously, we get to know God through reading books, but it's about the person. And I think when I, when I was thinking about this, I was like, you know, we are bombarded with data and information. I mean, Elspeth sent me a link today or uh, on Friday of like constantly updating links of who, like the cases of coronavirus and all the kind of stats about it. It's fascinating. It's amazing. The amount of data that's there. We have more data than we know what to deal with. I mean, if anything, that's social media. It's like, it's a barrage of information, but wisdom is always difficult to find. It's always difficult to find. Where, where are the people who are wise? That's what we want to be. That's who we want to lead us. And also, uh, these people aren't alone. It's a team, a team of seven people. God's plan is always to work through a community. There's a reason why family is kind of his number one metaphor in talking about the church. A family isn't one person. It's a group of people. 
And even in leadership, it's an important truth. Because people on a team, they have to work well with others. They, um, they have to handle conflict in the way the Bible tells us to, not in the way that seems right in our own eyes. Like These people must coordinate well with people to get the job done. I mean, seven people are not going to be able to feed all these people anyway. So they have to like have some level of, of emotional intelligence in order to interact with people. They're not going to do all the work, and it's impossible. But they're going to help coordinate the work to make sure it gets done. So healthy leaders are essential. <laughs> And, and great and wonderful when you have them, but there needs to be more than that because if the organization itself is set up in a way that's unhealthy, like if you have an amazing job working for a company that you thought was amazing, and then when you get in that company, you realize they're so focused on the bottom line they just grind people down. You could have the best boss in the world, but eventually you're going to be ground down. Eventually that boss will be ground down. It's like healthy leadership structures that are also important, which is a lot of what Acts here is, is telling us about. So we talked about healthy leaders there. I uh, will also talk about what is healthy leadership. What do the structures look like? Uh, I think we learned a few things here in these seven verses. First, again, team. There are 12 apostles. They are seven leaders. These are people who are working well together. It's not like they let the seven leaders to do their own thing and they never actually interact with the, with the apostles. Like, there's, there's going to be interaction. In order to extend God's mission, God always uses teams working together. And this is why our missional communities are led by teams of people, not just one or two people. This is why a healthy church has a number of elders, not just one. We'll get to where we are as a church in that in a bit. But this is also why it's important to have different teams of leaders for different reasons. Because one group of people can be really good at some things. Another group of people can be really good at other things. And healthy leadership allows the main things to stay the main things. To keep the main things the main thing. I mean... What we all need, regardless of where we are in life, is prayer and the word. That's what we need. And that's what we see. The reason why these seven people were appointed was so the 12 could be focused on prayer and the word, which means the church gets to be focused on prayer and the word. The job of the 12 apostles was to stay focused on that. And so these 12, uh, there are other words used for the position they have in a church. Could be overseer, could be pastor. Uh, some, play, some translations say minister. Another one is elder. The reason why the word elder isn't just because of someone who's old, but it's someone who is spiritually mature, who's been around the block a few times, knows a few things. Someone who's spiritually mature is all about developing others. They give their life to others. And what are they about doing, these elders? They're dedicating their life to God's words to us, the word and our words to him in prayer. And they're all about having that be every, part of everybody's life. Now, this doesn't mean you have to leave some other job. This doesn't mean you have to move to another country. You don't have to be me doing those things. We've had one guy who's dumb enough to do that. Everyone, anyone actually can have a life dedicated to prayer and the word. And that is the job of the people who are leading the church and is to make that as easy as possible to build people in order to make that happen. It's the job of the leader to make sure the main thing keeps the main thing. And the job of other people in the early church here, in their other roles, even though they were doing other things, was still their ultimate role was to make sure the main thing keeps the main thing. And as we keep on track with these main things, what we see is there's a care for the marginalized. People are being overlooked. They're taken for granted. They're not being cared for in the way that the Bible calls us to care for. They're not, they're not being cared for in the way that you would your own family members. People are not being loved in the way that God would have us to love. I think this shows material needs are not just kind of like optional. Material needs are significant. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, God cares a lot about what is going on in, in our world, materially speaking. 
And being focused on prayer and the word doesn't mean we cease to love our neighbors well. In fact, it's because we're so focused on God's words to us and us praying those words back to him that it leads us to care for people who are marginalized, especially when it comes to material things. They're driven to care for the marginalized in their church. And material needs should be important to us because they're important to God. Healthy leadership in the church means we strive to look after each other, especially those in the margins. And often it's those in the margins who aren't going to be the first to put their hand up. So we have to have people who are looking out for these people. So it's um, care for the marginalized. Lastly, um, these healthy leadership gives responsibility to others. Notice they gave the responsibility to the seven and they said, all right, this thing pleased the group. They had went through this process that pleased the group. They gave responsibility to those seven people and they didn't kind of slowly take those, take that responsibility back. It's like, it's your guy's job now. You guys do it. Like you're competent. You go ahead and do it. They don't say here's a job and try and take all the responsibility back. They, They let them get on with the job that God's called them to. So healthy leaders and healthy leadership extends the ministry of the church. It means people are led in healthy ways. There's more time to work, focus on the word and prayer. And people are cared for in more healthy ways because there's dedicated teams of people working. So what happens when the leaders get to lead and the people get to be cared for? What happens then? Well, what do we have in verse seven? So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, this is really different to the story when Ananias and Sapphira came to see the apostles, where they were withholding stuff from God. There was sin within the church. People were dropping dead because of it. And it didn't say the church exploded. In fact, it said, like, everybody was afraid to join that church, as we all should be when people start dropping dead. Like, I don't want to join that group. No, thanks. <laughs> Maybe I'll drop dead next. But when, when things are set right, because God, God actually cares about healthy leadership. He cares about healthy leaders. And when things are healthy, they grow. Healthy things reproduce. That's the whole, that's what God cares about. God wants healthy things to be reproduced. He doesn't want a lack of health. If Redeemer was in a dire situation and we had all kinds of sorts of problems, uh, we're not perfect, obviously, but um, I don't think we have all sorts of kind of problems. We, God wouldn't want that to be reproduced because then people are coming in and what is their going to be experience of the church going to be? Like more hurt. Generally, people have really bad experiences with the church. I don't know if you've ever talked to anybody. Everybody does. Like, that's everybody's. And we don't want to add to that. We want to be healthy as we grow. And I think this is how a church of 5,000 can be of one heart and mind. Anytime I read that, I'm like, 5,000 people, one heart and mind? Really? Seriously? How is that possible? Because I can't be of one heart and mind myself. I'm one. 5,000, how is it possible? How can people who come from different, like, like Greek-speaking backgrounds with have different kind of culture live in a, in, this, in a loving kind of beneficial communal one-to-one way with people who have a whole different kind of culture. A ministry coordinator in charge of making sure that poor people get the dinner that they need is directly linked to the word of God spreading to disciples increasing and people who are following other faiths coming to this faith. Isn't that crazy? Is it one-to-one correlation? Once, once these deacons, these ministry coordinators are allowed to do the thing, that's when the word of God spreads. So our mission as a church is joining God to bring wholeness to Manchester. Wholeness as a whole person, not just a small little sliver of, of this life or a small couple hours on Sunday. Wholeness in, in the whole kind of way. That means every single job in the church, from the person speaking at the front to the unseen people who move chairs, who, go, who create slides, who are making coffee that I love and praise them for all the things that they do, um, who are in the back right now kind of taking care of kids, making sure they're not killing people, uh, 
we, all of us are working towards the same goal. We want people to be made whole through Jesus. We want people who are made whole by God already to live that wholeness out in the way that we believe the Bible calls us to. So when you get here early to make coffee, you are part of crafting an open environment where the word of God can be preached and people can pray to God. You're one-to-one directly linked to wholeness for a whole person. That's not often something we think about when we're like putting filters in or throwing things in the bin or all those kinds of going out to, to get milk or all those kind of small dumb things that you're like, oh, I forgot to do that thing. Or when you're setting out the things or trying to set the slide, there's loads of things that go into this. It's all directly linked to the whole, to us wanting to see the whole people be changed by Jesus. And that means a cup of coffee is not a cup of coffee anymore by itself. It's directly tied to all of us enjoying what it means to be made whole through Jesus and crafting a warm environment for others to experience that. That means the money that automatically comes from your account to be given to Redeemer, all the hours you put in to work for that, like I know you guys, you guys will work very difficult jobs. It's not that you guys are just like lazy hanging out. All of that is invested to join God in his mission to bring wholeness to Manchester. That's that all the money goes to that. It's more than just money. So when you're back there with the kids and they're kicking off, and you're like, none of this is sinking in. All of that is joining the mission of God to our children, calling them to wholeness, teaching them what the good life is like, giving them a model of, what, of, of how Jesus calls us to live. When you host a missional community gathering, you are joining God's mission. You're not just having people over. You are literally joining God's mission. When you invite others to come to something like a pub quiz or whatever, whether they come or not, you are joining God's mission in this world. Every single one of us. And it will take every single one of us because that's what God calls us to do. It's not my job. It's our job together. And so when we talk about stuff like the need for missional communities, who's going to join God's mission there? It's super exciting. It's amazing to be a part of that. Who wants to be a part of that? Now, we could just stop there, but I think it's important for us to be like, right, so how does this apply? Because this is a church 2,000 years ago, completely different situation, 5,000 people. It's completely opposite to Redeemer. So how, how are we going to apply all this? Because we should be obedient to what the word calls us to do. Um, so speaking about our church, uh, how are we going to do this? Uh, we may not be 5,000 people, but there's still more to be done and still a need to extend the mission of God here in Charlton. So let's talk few, uh, through a few things, and, and I'll leave space for questions too at the end. But first off, none of this is, we're, we're working our way through Acts, like slowly. So none of this is coming from a, oh, I cannot wait to whip these people up into shape. All right, who's going to be the leader? Who's going to lead missile communities? Who's going to help out with kids? Like, or whatever else kind of thing. Not that I've actually like made a great vision for any of the things uh, this morning, but um, I think really, I think you all serve in like amazing ways. Like all of you are serving in all sorts of, of amazing ways. And, just, and I don't know if my thanks and my gratitude comes through enough. And if it doesn't, I'm sorry for that. Like, thank you so much for all the stuff you do for Redeemer. I, this is coming out of a posture of health, not a posture of, of lack of it or sickness and being like, we need to really get on the board here, guys. But it's like, how can we continue to grow in the way that God's um, called us to grow? Uh, a few things here. We'll look at three different structures. Elders, deacons, and other kind of volunteer positions. So first, elders. This is similar to the 12 here, the 12 apostles. Um, we're not going to cover all the places in the Bible that talk about elders right now. We have chatted a little bit about that in the past. Um, again, by all means, send questions if you have them. That website, you can do it, or there'll be a spot for questions at the end. Uh, in the early church, these 12 apostles were the leaders. They were the elders. They were people who led the church. Now, I think terminology matters. And the, what you call something has the ability to give meaning to that thing, or at least that's the context of that thing. I don't use the word elder very often. When was the last time anyone used the word elder? 
we should give out a prize. Oh, yesterday. Oh, you win. Um, given our day, I think the word leader makes a lot of sense because you don't have to describe it. And it doesn't sound kind of weird, especially given the context of Charlton. They start talking about elders in our religious organization. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, you have to explain it. So uh, a leader, I think is a good term for it. A leader leads teams, leads people, gives their life to people, and builds up others. They, do the, they don't do the things. They develop people. Uh, leaders are less about tasks and more about the people. They're in charge of, of the vision, like the orientation of where we're going. If, if the boat that we're all in, they're asking and answering the question, like, where are we going? So we, will, we can talk about leader, uh, elders, but the term we'll probably use for Redeemer generally will be leader, just to make it normal and not weird churchy language. That makes sense. I mean, as of now, I'm the only elder, the only leader. But there are a couple people who are in the development process, as you know. Mike Lehan and Tim are both going through a process. Um, now, even though I'm the sole leader, uh, at the moment, that doesn't mean I'm just off by myself doing whatever. Like we have, I talked about that earlier. If you have any questions about that, please, um, I'm happy to answer those. Um, as you can see, I need a lot of help. I have a lot of people who are like, you know, have a lot of input to Redeemer. And generally, I think, I was talking to Will about this the other day. If someone wants to help me become a better believer, become better in these kind of areas, help grow the church in ways and to grow in health, I'm like, why would I not take advantage of that? So if someone even in passing is like, oh yeah, we should meet and talk. I will seriously continue to ask them, yeah, let's do that until they say, no, I was just being polite. Because if there's someone who wants to help Redeemer, Lord knows, you guys know me, I need help. We all need help. And I'm happy to ask for that. And maybe that's how we, could, we should view our missional communities and core groups. Like these, are, they're set up so that we could grow, not just for things to go to, but they're set up for us to grow. And we should use them in that way. We should be kind of like, selfishly stealing all that we can, like leeching from it as much as possible. And you know, we don't need to start new structures generally. We just need to use the ones that we have. Um, so just like anybody else, I need others asking me good questions, not just about my own spiritual life, but definitely about that. But also where are we going with Redeemer, strategy, development, things like that. So that's a little bit about elders um, uh, and, and leaders. So the next thing here, let's talk about deacons, because these are who these seven people are. Again, uh, terminology matters. Let's talk about that word deacon. The word deacon it comes from a Greek word, diakonos, just means servant. It's kind of tricky in the New Testament because sometimes it applies to everybody because the whole church is servants. Sometimes it applies to a physical, like official position, or these are the servants of the church. It's almost like here's the servants and the servants. So it's like two kind of different levels. Whenever the Bible talks about that word deacon, diakonos, used in an official title kind of way, it's really similar to Acts. As people who are more practically hands-on kind of ministry stuff. They're often really involved with, with mercy ministry-related stuff. Um, so what we see, actually, is people who are coordinating God's mission. So deacon, again, I use the word deacon much less than I even use the word elder. Like, deacon is a weird word. You got to explain it. Why have a term for somebody that you have to explain? I don't understand. We don't need to do that. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll translate that in our church as ministry coordinator. A ministry coordinator is just another word for deacon. The people who coordinate the mission. And it's more of a hands-on thing than the leaders might be. More practical, like giving out food. Um, and it answers the question, if the, if the leaders are about like, where are we going? It answers the question for, for ministry coordinators is how are we going to do it? How are we going to get there? Who's going who's gonna to get there? So the leaders help steer the ship. They look at the compass. They take like into the, into effect like the current the winds, whatever other kind of things you think about when you're sailing. I don't know anything about that. Um, 
But the coordinators are down there on, on the deck, like coordinating the levers, making sure people are, are putting the sails where the sails need to go in order for the ship to go to that thing. Does that make sense? Two kind of one's more bigger vision, one's kind of on the ground. Um, related to ministry coordinators and deacons, there are other texts in the Bible that speak to the character of deacons. One of the big things in First Timothy one Timothy three is uh, that they their character should be tested. And we'll talk a little bit more about character of deacons in the future. But it does say that they should be tested. Now, I believe there are people in Redeemer who already fit these descriptions of characters of deacons, which we don't have time to go through all through today, and who have been tested since Redeemer has started. Uh, and we're still talking through it together with these people. We're still praying through it. So um, please like, pray with us for that. But here's what the plan will look like going forward for our church as we strive to be obedient to what Acts is telling us to do. Soon, we're going to present some people to be Redeemer's first ministry coordinators. We'll say, here's the names of the people who we think. Here's the characteristics of what those kind of leaders ought to look like. And then we'll have like four to six weeks where everybody as a church will have a chance to kind of think through that, pray through that, ask more questions. It'll also be a chance, if you doubt their character as leaders, to bring that up to me. Because that's a very important thing that I would need to know. We don't want to have unhealthy people kind of leading people. Um, and we, but we can also use that, though, to encourage people who might be like, yeah, I think I can be this person. Um, so it's good to bring up, to raise up any flags and to encourage them. But in verse 5 here in chapter 6, they had a proposal, these 12, and it pleased the whole group. Something that pleased the whole church. So this isn't something that I'm just like, in charge of making. This is a decision that all of us are in charge of making. So if you're a member of Redeemer, you have a responsibility, you're involved. Like, this is your church. You should let me know what you think. If this is pleasing to God or not. Uh, if you're not a member, obviously we still want your feedback, of course. Like, it's not like if you're not a member, you can't talk. We want everyone's feedback. But especially if you're a member, we really we need your, uh, your input as we, just, as we find out where God wants to lead us next. So after we have those four to six weeks, for those who we believe God is calling, we'll have them up on a Sunday and we'll pray, lay hands on them, and we'll officially commission them as Redeemer's first ministry coordinators. So if you have questions, hang on to those. We'll have them in a second. Because here's another thing I need to say. Not everyone who leads a Sunday team will be a ministry coordinator. Um, because we have a lot of things going on. And not everyone who leads an MC will be a ministry coordinator. If we did that, like nearly the whole church would be like that deacon level. And that doesn't make any sense. It's practically doesn't, it's not helpful. What we're trying to get to is this. How can we, and what we're praying for, how can we get the ministries that God has called us to work to as a church, how can we get them working in the best way? How can we extend the ministry in the best way, the way it was in Acts 6? And also areas where we want to work in and haven't yet worked in as a church because the leadership structures really haven't enabled that to thrive. How can we make that work the best? So there's a level of pragmatism in there and what works the best for us as a church. What works for us now will not work if God grows us to be larger. If God grows us to be the size of Grace Church, the same kind of leadership structures, those have to change just because we change as a church. And really, this is a question for all of us because we're all servants. So the question is, how has God called us, not just some people, how has God called us to serve in the unique way that he's created you? It doesn't have to be anything big. It doesn't have to be anything massive. But every single one of you, God has created you to serve in a way that you actually enjoy and you're actually good at. Those two things. When we do those things, we feel alive. It doesn't feel like work. Like, yeah, I love doing that. I do that regardless of if I get paid for it. Like my job, if you didn't pay me, I'd still find a way how to do it. Like I wouldn't be allowed to live here because of visa and immigration. But you get, you get the idea. I love what I get to do. And really, there are loads of openings at Redeemer. 
Like, I have to say no to great things all the time because I don't have the people to do it. And that's fine because we're small. But I would love to say no like a little less times. Um, here's a massive, in case anyone was wondering, this is not a list to be like, you guys need to be doing this thing. This is a list for like, here's opportunities. There are community service events, like how to manage stress at work. I've been asked, can Redeemer host a thing on a Saturday for people who are really stressed at work in order to figure like, how, like stress management techniques? I would love to say yes, but I can't. I, I can't do it. Uh, English has second language classes. There's like, there are people in Charlton who either go to Rushholm or Salford to learn English through the Bible. I want to teach them English through the Bible here. I would love for that to happen, um, but I can't do that. Uh, alpha, what happens after Alpha? Let's say the ideal situation. Six people want to continue on and it becomes a missional community or all the other kind of things I can go on from that. Who's going to join in with me, Josh, and Rachel in leading that group? Because it can't just be me, Josh, and Rachel. We need other people to join in. The Charlton Arts Festival, that's probably going to be canceled this year. Uh, me and Katrina are involved on in the organizing committee for that. Um, but it's, it's like all the, the, it, lots of the promotion of the Charlton There's so many things that could be happening there. Christmas events, Liz needs help. Liz needs someone to work with. Weekend away. Elswith needs help. Elswith needs people to work with. A creative team, which is basically like one person here on a Sunday to be like, chairs should be like this. Junk on the bar shouldn't be on the bar. Like, trash should be put in the bin. Oh, that was very American and British at the same time. That was weird. Um, All those small kind of things. Or like all the untapped areas where you're like, man, I wish Redeemer did this. You could do it. That's the great thing of a church plan. You can kind of do whatever you'd really like to do, especially mercy ministry. We have a great connection with reach out to the community. I'm not really, we've not really been able to capitalize on that because no one's leading that. It would be amazing if someone was like, yeah, I'd like to maybe give a little bit more time to see what we could do there. Loads of things. Um, leading an MC, we need more. And there are training things we can do to, to go through that. Everyone who's led an MC has gone through the foundation course. And currently we have, um, I can remember everybody who's in the course now, uh, Kathleen, Lydia, Katrina, Will, and Joe, I think, are all on the foundations training course. Uh, it, it's, it's something to be in to, in order to learn how to uh, lead a missional community. You can talk to them and get what it's really like. Talk to me, I'm going to say it's amazing, of course. Um, talk to them and get the real deal. So these are just like some ways to serve. And there, lo- there will always be more ways to serve than we can do. The answer to this isn't like we should go crazy and start being super anxious and do all these things. But it, it, can be, it might be a place where you're like, yeah, I think maybe I might be able to do like a couple hours a week. I wonder where that could be. Um, it might just be being a, a bigger, stronger member of, of the, your existing missional community. It could be loads of things. Right. So uh, this is get, like open for a while. So um, as questions come up, I, feel free to talk to me about it um, or whoever else you might want to talk to. And you can send the questions into the website as well. But let, let me just end here. Verse seven. Because our hope and all of this, it can be kind of messy, like talking about leaders, like how are we going to structure things? What are we going to do? Kind of, I mean, it's kind of exciting because we get to figure it out for the first time because we're a small church. But verse seven says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So when the church is organized in the way that God tells us to organize it with leaders and ministry coordinators, the word of God spreads, number of disciples increases rapidly, and priests become obedient to the faith. We want the word of God to spread in Charlton, right? That's what we're doing. Like We want the number of disciples to increase rapidly. We want people who are formerly dedicated to worshiping other things in life to now be dedicated to worshiping Jesus and finding their wholeness in him. Now, not only is this exciting, well, maybe the reason why it's exciting, this is what we're made for. 
Like, we're made to do this. As human beings, we need healthy leaders and healthy leadership. And at the top of our org chart at the church isn't me. It's not the latest celebrity pastor or podcast preacher. It's not the Pope. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one leading this thing. And that's the only hope that we could possibly have. Not in me, not in ministry coordinators, not in structures. The Garden of Eden was set up pretty well. We still figured a way to mess that up, right? We need Jesus leading us. Isn't it good news that Jesus is king and we're not? Oh, thank God. And, at, and this servant king, Jesus, has set up a structure that we thrive. It's not always perfect, but without it, we're left to ourselves and we're just going to waste away. And it's in Christ's death that the death of all that holds us back as leaders, as people who sit under leadership, as people who participate in unhealthy structures, as people who are victims of unhealthy structures, everything that holds us back, Christ put to death in his death. He said it's finished. There's a full stop at the end there. It's finished. And in Christ's resurrection, we are now given the ability to live as humans with new life because of the new life that we have in Jesus. So let me pray. Um, knowing that left to ourselves, we'll be under bad leaders and we'll be bad leaders ourselves. But Jesus frees us from that and gives us a new way to live.